Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's your boy Downtown Boosie back at it again. Yes, sir, numero dos. Episode two of Only Bruins brought to you by Black and Gold Productions. What up, gang gang? Uh, I am no longer riding solo dolo, and I am no longer just downtown boosie to you. Call me champion downtown boosie. That is right. Yes, sir. As you saw on Twitter, probably. If you're a listener and you follow me on Twitter, you saw me. I won it all. Championship downtown boosie. Won the beer league, uh... Stanley Cup with the Eden Hall Warriors. What up, gang gang? What up, boys? Good to uh, plug you guys. Maddie P with the game winner. Not a big deal. Overtime. I'll get into that game maybe next episode. But I got a special guest on this episode, so I can't divulge into that game too much. But for now, guys, I brought on one of my best buds, Marky Mark, Mr. Mark Ulred. Uh I'm going to bring him on very shortly, but I'm very thankful that he brought me on, and I hope you guys enjoy this as much as I enjoyed it because it's always good talking hockey with him. And if you follow him and listen to him on Black and Gold Podcast with Kevin and uh, Dom over there, then you guys know this guy knows his shit, and he's a, he's fun to talk hockey with. So without further ado, I'm going to bring it over to my boy, Marky Mark. Hope you guys enjoy this one. Thank you all. And I welcome on my good buddy, one of my best buds out here, Mr. Mark Allred, host of Black and Gold Podcast, uh, CEO of Black and Gold Productions, and I think he has like two other podcasts that he's rejuvenating, bringing back this uh, shortly, this upcoming fall in a few weeks. Marky Mark, what up, buddy? What's going on, Nick? Thanks you for that. plug I'm- those other two that I... I didn't want to. I know one's coming back in two weeks that we're going to bring up at the end, but uh, I don't know if you have the Amsbury one still going on. Yeah, the Maples. Yeah, that's still going on. And uh, the new one is the Providence Hockey Report. Yes, Providence Hockey Report. That's right. Yeah, I'm excited for that one because I'm, I don't, I, I, sh- I should watch more. I do have more time. I, I should watch more of the Providence Bruins and stuff like that and the prospects, but. You know, usually you're my go-to guy when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> but um, no, Thanks, you sir. guys, you guys are kicking ass over at Black and Gold Podcast, getting some uh, good guests on, some you know, good back and forth between you three, or if it's you solo, or you and the guys, or you and Kevin, you and Dom. You guys are doing good. It's it's been a good listen. It's been a fun listen this summer. So, um, thanks for I guess. I'm sure I'm speaking on behalf of many Bruins fans, but thanks for getting us through this summer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and bringing on Dom, Dominic Tiano was a, was a game changer for us. Um, he's just got so much knowledge uh, well above what, what uh, Kevin and I have. Um, and he's well versed into the prospects. So, you know, I, I am too, but more, he's more like the Ontario hockey league and the Quebec and the, and the dub and so on and the USHL and, and NCAA. And I'm more, more or less like USHL and the Providence Bruins. And Kevin brings a lot of NHL knowledge as well. So it, it's a nice mixed bag of, of everything that we bring to the podcast. So um, this is, it's going to be a big year for us. We just brought on two new sponsors uh, along with betonline.ag. And um, we're, we're excited to get ramped up in, in the next couple of weeks. So 
Uh, yeah, I mean, we've been doing weekly pods uh, throughout the throughout the year. Uh, we we don't stop. We'll we'll dig for content no matter what. But um, I appreciate the kind words. Uh, you know, getting you through the summer thus far. Yeah, no, it's definitely it's definitely been a good listen. It's kind of what motivated me to come back and do my own thing and you know interact with you guys and all the other great Bruins fans. And when I say great, I use that term loosely because I you see on Twitter a lot of them are fucking. <laughs> psychopaths but i say that nicely yeah, um, yeah no but it's definitely been a good listen i'm excited for you guys for this upcoming season because i mean you guys just keep bringing on sponsorships you guys keep getting great interviews and you three like you said you all three of you just bring something different to the table and it's been it's been definitely a good listen so if if bruins fans aren't listening to you guys are definitely missing out because it's been fun along with the other guys, part of the B&G uh, podcast network. So, you know, it's you guys are buzzing over there. So it's 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 been nice. It's been nice. Yeah, it was slowly growing. Um, it's always a work in progress, trying to get some more writers, trying to get more podcasts on the network. Um, and, and if anybody that's listening to this tremendous podcast and wants to uh, jump on, send me an email at black and gold productions, LLC at gmail.com. If you want to start a pod, you want to start writing for us, we we accept everybody. Tremendous. I like that. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> Especially after uh, shaking off the rust, that fucking first episode. Jesus, that's harder than I thought it would be. But glad to be back. And I'm glad to have you as my first guest. And on my second episode, um, him, I mean, we were talking earlier. We were kind of digging for some comment as we're recording Friday. April, uh, I was about to say April. Holy shit. <laughs> September 2nd. Can you tell I'm ready for this long weekend? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, a few more weeks away till the prospect uh, challenge, training camp, uh, preseason games and all that. And you're going into the season kind of with a similar look, uh, but with some old faces joining the team again, and or I guess an old face joining the team again. And, some question marks up and down the lineup and some holes to fill when it comes to this upcoming season. And I think one of the subjects you and me touched up on in the DMS was the, the blue line with, you know, Maddie and Gri I'm, I'm not Maddie McAvoy and Grizz out till at least December. Um, you brought up a good question. Should the Bruins bring in one or two veteran blue liners uh, till those two come back and what is the blue line really going to look like? Because you got a guy like Zaboro coming back from a ACL injury and he was doing great up till then. And that sucks because he could have taken a huge step in his development. And that was exciting to see, but, or that would have been exciting to see. And now there's a lot of question marks back there till at least those two come back more specifically, McAvoy because he's a right-handed shot. I, the Bruins are loaded on the left side as far as left uh, left shots. But what's what is one guy you have in mind or maybe a dark horse to make this opening day lineup that or a potential signing or uh, PTO, right? It's called PTO, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what, what's one guy you could see? I mean, I've seen... Bruins, I, I, I've seen Twitter flirt around with the idea of possibly bringing in Subban on a PTO, uh, which if the money's right, I wouldn't hate because you're missing McAvoy to start the season. But what's one guy that you uh, or 
multiple guys that you kind you kind of are hoping to make the team or potential veterans to uh, sign PTOs or whatnot. Well, one of the biggest narratives right now is as we get closer to the Boston Bruins season is um, is a, a player like PK Subban, uh, tremendous uh, experience. Um, and also uh, Keith Yandel, uh, a, a guy from the Boston area and so on. Uh, and both the guys are looking for work. And yeah, I mean, I, Subban for me would work out just because of that experience. But when you consider both of those players, they want to continue their careers. And I honestly, and if I was in their situation, I wouldn't go into Boston swinging it around saying, I want a job there because you're only going to be here till December. You know what I mean? So you want some longevity. You want, you want a whole year, believe it or not, to play hockey. And it's not just a part-time thing, especially for these guys. We're not talking about players that are, you know, about to retire. I mean, like, like retiring tomorrow, these guys are looking for more work. So I just don't see them signing any deals or anything like that because of knowing that they're not going to be around uh, past December when McAvoy and Grizzly come back. Um, my, I would rather them do it internally. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there that believe the same thing. And uh, when you talk about a dark horse, I was like, I, I, I immediately gravitate to a defenseman like Jakob Zvorl. I think that he had a tremendous, a small sample size, of course, but I just think that he's going to bring it this year uh, to a level that we've never seen before. And hopefully he stays healthy. That's the biggest element for, for his moral right now is just how, how can he manage to stay healthy? Um, you know, you could rely on a player like Jack O'Shawn. Uh, and you know, he's, he's been serviceable when he's had his time up there. Um, you know, he is a smaller defenseman. I get it, but he's very mobile. We've seen it. I've seen it down in Providence. I've seen it at the NHL level as well. Um, but those are a couple of players that I could see filling in internally uh, without going out and getting uh, guys on PTOs and so on. The one thing about PTOs that I get really concerned about is basically they're, they're here to push others, younger players to be their best and so on. And if those younger players aren't at their best, basically the team sign these guys and so on, but it's still, you're still like kind of cock blocking the youth into playing. And that's, that's something that in a lot of articles that I've been reading about Jim Montgomery is he wants to be more apt to play his younger crew. So I don't see any of that happening. I know there's a lot of reports out there that the Bruins might be interested in, in, in Suvan and so on, but I just don't, the money, the money to me doesn't work. Number one, because we're 2.2 uh, million over the cap. I just don't see players like that working out as it is right now. And I also don't see, here's a hot take from me. I also don't see the Bruins putting uh, McAvoy or Grizzlick on LTIR to start the year. Yeah. And that, that's something I want to touch on uh, a little bit later was if the Bruins are going to use the LTIR, but one thing you brought up was bringing veterans in to kind of challenge the younger guys. And I mean, you've listened to the podcast I used to be on. I mean, I'm so up and down with this guy, Connor Clifton. One thing that can like, if the money's right with PK Subban, obviously uh, the Bruins have their cap troubles right now, 
But if the money's right with PK Subban, say he takes a veteran minimum, which I think would be a million dollars for him. Uh, I think Connor Clifton's a million dollars. Connor Clifton's someone who's a young guy who I think has some, you know, he has some worth when it comes to trades. I like he has some stock. I, some teams might want him. I he drives me bananas at times. I mean, I'm sure most Bruins fans, uh, him being out of position, but then when he sometimes he'll make one single play in the game and it makes Bruins fans forget about all the wrongs he did in the game. So I don't, if you bring, if PK Subban does come in, you know, somehow then he, I could possibly see him challenging a guy like Connor Clifton for that, you know, third pairing right side. But is a guy like PK Subban going to want to come in and challenge to be like the sixth or seventh defenseman. I, I don't think the guy with his kind of resume is going to be okay with that. I, as you've seen, he's a very vocal guy when it comes to media in the locker room. And I don't want, I'm worried. And I'm sure he respects guys like Bergeron and the leadership that we do have in the locker room, but I'm not sure if he's the right guy and I don't want him messing with the chemistry right now in the locker room and stuff like that. Cause he's, you know, he's not scared to speak his mind. And that's one thing that worries me when it comes to PK Subban, uh, I think he would be a good fit for the first half of the season. until, like you said, McAvoy comes back on that right side, but him and Connor Clifton, I see similarities there because they're both kind of wild cards when they play. Uh, they're more, you know, they like to rush up and they like to pinch. They like to rush up in the play and make some plays happen. Um, on the defensive side, they're not, neither of them are the greatest. I would say I would give maybe PK the edge, but I guess it really depends on what kind of night you get, what player. But yeah, yeah I, I can see, and that was one of the things they said, that's one of the reasons why they said they let Cassidy go, right? It's because, the younger guys, not giving them a shot, not developing them. And maybe that's why they, you know, brought in Montgomery because they want, you know, Sweeney sticking to his guns. And he's saying like these young guys, they can plug in and they can work. And, you know, maybe we'll, we'll get to the forwards in a little bit, but a guy like Jack Ashan, yeah, he's serviceable, but he's also undersized left shot. And we're, we have lots of uh, left-handed defensemen right now. Uh, is he capable of playing the off wing? Is Zaboral capable of playing, uh, not the off wing, the offside? And, you know, guys like that. I mean, I'm sure Lindholm to start the season could possibly be playing the right side. Yeah, I think he played the right side in Anaheim before. And you're going to have to rely heavily on a guy like Lindholm and hope that Carlo has a bounce back year as well if you're going to tread water till those guys come back. Because who knows when they come back if they'll, you know, jump right in and be the McAvoy and Grizzly that you saw of last year. I mean, McAvoy was phenomenal last year. So it, it's, it's definitely, I don't know, a lot of question marks back there. It, it's going to create, I think a healthy battle when training camp does come around and, you know, the preseason games and whatnot, because Zaboral has something to prove and he has to kind of jump back into that lineup in that training camp and show that his knee's healthy and that he's healthy and he's capable of playing an 82 game season with the big boys. Uh, but again, that's a left-handed shot. So I don't see where the Bruins 
fill that void on the right side unless there's you know unless they're just going to get weird with it and you know throw whatever defenseman they want on whatever side uh unless there's guys down in providence or on the bubble right now that you see are right-handed shots that play defense i i don't i can't think of any that come to mind you would probably know better than me I think the only one that I could honestly say right now, and he hasn't even played a pro game yet. So we're not even going to, I'm not even sure how he's going to um, show at camp this year, but it's Kai Weissman and he's a big German kid. He's over oh. well over six feet tall and so on. I think he shoots right. I'm not sure. I don't have the left shot, right shot in front of me right now. Um, uh, I think uh, Nick Wolf is, is a left shot too. So we're like you said, we're plentiful on the left side and so on. I think Jakob Zborl is uh, is one of those players that can be versatile on both sides, mm-hmm. uh, so he can play the right if needed. Um, but yeah, I mean, no, you you bring up a very valid point on on uh, the limited amount of right shot defensemen we have, and and who can facilitate that spot while these two players are are out for until December. Yeah, and that's one thing that's worrisome too is just. The right side. I mean, I feel, I, and this all, a lot of this depends on too. And if Carlos going to have a bounce back year or not, I mean, if he doesn't have a bounce back year, then that right side's really scary. Cause you're depending on a lackluster Carlo Clifton, who you, it's a different game with him every single night, possibly even every other shift it's different with him. And then those are your two guys right now. Um, so there's some question marks there and, Missing a guy like McAvoy is obviously huge. And the defense already struggled at times last year before Lindholm got here and while we had McAvoy. So the goaltenders, and we'll get into that a little bit later too, possibly. They're going to have to, the you know, Swayman and Omark, who, you know, I saw you making fun of Bruins fans that he's still, he didn't go to Vegas. <laughs> he didn't <laughs> and, wave his no trade. Yeah, and, I was uh, just poking. I was poking fun at another podcast on the BNG Network. We have a lot of fun with those guys, and that's the Something Brewing Hockey Podcast with my boy Mike Sullivan, Zach Sullivan, and uh, Nick Melanson. Those guys are really cool. But yeah, I just like poking fun at them. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm glad they're part of the BNG fam as well. But it is funny seeing people uh, yell for Allmark to go to free up that five million in cap space when you have a borderline two-headed monster back there. Uh, and if they, I mean, Swayman's in a contract year, and I don't want to obviously stare away from the D-line right now, but Swayman's in a contract year, so he could be playing phenomenal. He could have a hell of a year, and, you know, he's got his rookie year out of his way, and and Allmark has a full season under his belt, and you saw how he started playing towards the end of last season when once you could tell he really got comfortable, and I think – uh starting his second year here with way more confidence and a healthy relationship with Swayman. I think you're going to rely heavily on those two, the first half of the season. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see a 50, 50 split the first half of the season and possibly the whole year, obviously you always got to play the hot goaltender, uh, you know, but to start the season, obviously they'll be splitting it and kind of seeing which goaltender, you know, takes a bull by the horns and, um goes with it but you know i i'll be relying heavily on the goalies till that blue line kind of gets you know fixed it's a, a lot of question marks and 
I guess really my only question mark in the on that back end is I don't Lindholm. He's the only one I really feel comfortable with right now. Oh, and uh, Forbort. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Derek Forbort. Yeah. Oops. Holy shit. Talk yeah, about I so. yeah. <laughs> uh, Forbort. I mean, I feel pretty confident in him. He got more comfortable as the season was going on and he was eating those pucks and he was phenomenal in the playoffs. So I hope he can carry that into the regular season because we'll need a guy like him too, especially if he's going to, him and Lindholm are going to have to pick up the slack on Carlo or whatnot. So I hope Carlo can turn it around. I think he's still perfectly capable of turning it around and having a bounce back year. Um, And who knows, maybe Clifton surprises all of us and has a, more steady consistent season and shift i guess you could say yeah i mean just to go back on what you were talking about like players like forbert and allmark and and lindholm these guys have now you know spent a little bit of time in boston they've gone through the proper off-season workouts with the team and continue to do so and then they'll go into their first full i mean not forbert but um a player like lindholm uh, just the more experience they have playing in Boston is, is just going to be more important to their uh, growth in, in the city and with this uh, with this organization. Um, you know, you could definitely see forward take a, a bigger step. You can really, really see Lindholm, a player like him. He's just he's that type of kind of elite defenseman. Um, and, and we paid a heavy price for him, you know, first round pick and, and so on so, to get him. So I think he's going to be really good, too. And uh, Allmark, I think that he could take a bigger step as well because um, you we hear from uh, former players like Andrew Raycroft all the time saying that, you know, when the, when the fans got on Allmark earlier in the season because of some of his mistakes, it takes time for players like him to adjust to a new team. You went from a freaking dumpster fire in fucking Buffalo to to Boston where it's your expectations to win are a little higher. We're, we're in new England. So that's, that's a, that's a given. Yeah. Um, so I expect him to, to be a little better as well. And, and him working with uh, Jeremy Swayman has been freaking really good. One, a one B. I won't mess that up. Now I will say that I'm not fully on board with, with giving sway the, the, uh, the starting role at all. I still think that it should be heavily relied on a one, a one B just due to the fact is that we're going to be missing those key players uh, particularly McAvoy on the back end to start the year. So to get those guys involved more repetitively, I think is going to be more important uh, to the success of, of treading water until December. Uh, you know, nobody makes the playoffs in the first two months, but it's going to be a challenge all the way around from the players on the bench to the goaltenders and even the new coach and, and coaching staff. No, I, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, another thing people have to remember, because it feels like forever ago, first half of last season, you were still dealing with COVID and the strict rules and stuff like that. They didn't really loosen up the rules till I think it was after Christmas, right? Yep. You know, they had that shutdown. So basically till after like the new year, they, uh, they didn't really lift restrictions and stuff like that till then. And you remember the huge outbreak in December. I think the Bruins had to deal with a little bit of that as well. So Second half of the season, the guys are able to hang out more, uh, a little bit more freely. Uh, it's COVID's trying, uh, kind of going away. I mean, it'll never really go away, but it's we're they're getting back to a little bit of normalcy, and that I think you saw that in the second half of the season when the Bruins went on that stretch. 
Allmark went on that stretch. And I think Allmark's perfectly capable of being a number one goaltender because you saw his numbers with a bullshit team like Buffalo the year before. I mean, the guy had good numbers for a team that really was not good at all. And yeah. I, I think, I mean, that's what you paid him for too. I think you should rely on that and not, not necessarily rely on that, but I think that you should kind of, to start the season, try to push for Allmark to be that one A and Swayman be that one B. And I think you need to, and it's going to be on the coaching staff to figure it out how, what works best with the goaltenders and what's going to make Allmark feel most comfortable. And, you know, same thing with Swayman. I think that's going to be a huge thing with um, the coaches when it comes to this upcoming season, because, you know, up till December, first half of the season, it's not going to be pretty at times. And, uh, you know, some, some nights all Mark and Swayman might get hung out to dry, but I guess we'll have to wait and see with that. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully that's not the case, but realistically with how the D is looking right now, it's, you know, they're going to be relied heavily on keeping the Bruins in games and, um, the forwards are going to be relied heavily on getting back and playing that 200 foot game and also that five on five score. And hopefully they can finally fix that problem with this upcoming season. But I guess that's a good transition to get into. I know we kind of spoke quickly on it, but the, the goaltending situation, uh, and I, it seems like we're on the same page as far as that with the one, a one B there shouldn't be a, you know, one and two, and you see teams starting to go towards that now. Uh, the whole one, a one B I mean, what was his name? Um, the goalie down in Tampa, Jesus Vasilevsky, you, yep. you, they rely heavily on him and you see a guy like Vasilevsky that gets greatly overplayed, but he's, he's one of the few goaltenders who I'd say is capable of that. And when you're paying a guy 10 plus million a year, you kind of have to ride that when you can't really afford a backup goal to a solid backup goaltender, like the one, a one B situation we have here in Boston. And it's, it's nice to have, and you saw that transition come when I guess you could say Rask and Halak, or maybe even before with uh Hudobin maybe because Hudobin had that. Phenom- was there someone in between Hudobin and Halak? Uh, that was Chad Johnson. There was Nicholas Fedberg. Oh, yeah, Okay. Um, yeah, there was a couple. So I guess it was really when Halak came about when Rask and Halak kind of had that good duo and, you know, Halak was standing on his head when he got his playing time. And that's kind of when the league started to transition to the one, a one B situation instead of, you know, paying goalies, paying a goalie 10 million where, I mentioned it in my last podcast where next year you could possibly be looking at paying both goaltenders a total of 10 million. If that, you know, um, who knows if he'll even reach that, maybe he'll take a bridge deal, whatever, but we also have to wait and see the kind of year that Swayman does have. So yeah, like you said, like I, 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 with all Mark, I, yeah, I don't think you should have, and I don't think Montgomery will because he'll be, you know, new to this team and kind of be feeling it out, especially to start the season. And the Bruins are kind of notorious for cold starts this season, but I don't think you should 
have a starting goaltender. I think you can look at both of them as starting goaltenders and you kind of ride that ship throughout the first half of the season and play the Hawk goaltender. But I think when all said and done at the end of the season, um, to when the season, when you played the full 82 games, I think it should be a 50, 50 split, maybe 60, 40. If one of the goaltenders gets cold for a while, sure. And the, the other one stays hot, but I think it should be more of a 50, 50 split uh this upcoming season what do you think yeah i'm totally on board with something like that it, it worked in, uh this past season and 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 lots of bruins fans don't understand that goaltending wasn't the problem in my opinion um and the way that the the money is structured jeremy swayman's on an entry-level deal right now uh, and uh all marks at five million so right around i don't even think it's six million dollars in cap space right now between these two goaltenders and I think that that's where the the league is starting to trend. Um, I mean, you're going to have all world goaltenders like Vasilevsky that that you that you mentioned. Uh, he's he's going to get a, a bunch of a, a ton of games um, each season because he's just that good. And and you know, obviously the uh, Coop has uh, full trust in him. Um, but I just uh, for me, it's it's uh, I I think Swayman's a little too green. I think that the shiny new toy uh, scenario is still around with a lot of people. They're excited about a younger goaltender. Um, maybe most of those people just didn't like Tuka Rask and they're just ready to transition into something new. I yeah. get it. But, you know, it, it's important for a player like Jeremy Swayman to come into the, his first couple of years in the NHL with a veteran goaltender like Olmark. Uh, it just made perfect sense. And believe it or not, I've talked to several people around the league, and they've said that if if Allmark went to went further into the market, there were several teams out there that were willing to pay him above what he made now. So basically, basically, from what my understanding is, is the no trade um, clauses that are involved in his contract was because he came down on the dollar. If there was no trade, if there was no trade protection on any of those contracted years, I think the dollar would have been higher. So this kind of that's how you negotiate a deal here, and it worked out perfectly. I, I, I know that Sweeney gives uh, no trade clauses, no movement clauses out like candy and so on, and, and he accepts them all the time. But sometimes that's what you need to do to keep um, your cap number low on a certain player. Yeah, and it it'll definitely be worth it because. The salary cap will be going up short sooner rather than later. Uh, and five million for a goaltender of that caliber is really fair. And I could see him, I mean, getting six million somewhere else and you know, six and six. And I mean, do you really want to sign, make an extra million a year and maybe have that extra year and be stuck in fucking at ASU playing with the coyotes right now? I mean. <laughs> 3,500 seat capacity. Yeah. Like at some point, like, especially you can see, like, as you're well aware of hockey players are a different breed. It doesn't come down to, I mean, you see NFL players all the time. They sign these huge contracts and then they have a great year. And at the end of that year, well, then the next season comes along and they want to hold out from mini camp. And they are like, Oh, I'm not playing till I get a new contract. It's like, you know, I know um, it's a hard cap, right? Yeah, it's a hard cap. It's 
once once you sign that contract, you sign that contract. It's it's not as easy to move or finagle stuff like the NFL does and 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 the NBA does and stuff like that. Once you sign it, you sign it. And but hockey players are a different breed. They want to a lot of them, I would say not all of them, but a lot of them, a good majority of them just want to play. They're already you've heard Bergeron say it plenty of times, and you've heard Pasta say it too. They've made more money in their career than they could ever picture uh, or imagine making. So a guy like that signing for five million to play in Boston and to have that no movement clause and taking probably less money and less term it's you know that's not really surprising because a lot of these guys just want to win they want to win the cup they want to be on a competitive team they want to be you know playing in front of thousands of fans you know 18 to 20,000 fans not you know 3,500 in fucking Arizona where these guys don't even know they're they have a hockey team, you know, they want to play in a good hockey market and you'll definitely get that with Boston. And it makes sense why he signed here because, you know, we were in need of a goaltender, a solid veteran goaltender. Cause I know everyone was saying, Oh, just keep Swayman and all Mark. And then there you go. You got, but you saw what, no Swayman and Vladar. Um, We saw the fall off that Vladar had last season with Calgary and, and that's unfortunate too, because he was looking really good at the start of the season with them. He was looking really good when he came up with us. And I know he was a guy that you were high on too, but very I high. That, I think that would have been too risky riding with two veteran, uh, two rookie goaltenders to when, especially when you have the veterans like you do, like Bergeron, Marshy, McAvoy, guys like that who are hungry for a cup. You can't really expect to make a cup run with two rookie goaltenders. So Allmark just made perfect sense. And it still blows my mind that people bitch about his contract because I think it's good. I think it's great. And I think it's fair. I I really do for both sides. I mean, we're paying probably just under 6 million, like you said, for the two goaltenders where I noted in last podcast, uh, Bobrowski is getting 10 million down in Florida and they have a guy who they drafted in the first round the same Spencer, year they signed Spencer him, Knight. Spencer Knight. So he's up and coming, and he's going to be due for a contract soon, and they're going to have some big cap problems there because they're a team that they're probably going to have to trade him because they're a team that has no first-round picks till what, 2025 and stuff like that? Yeah. So <laughs> I know a lot of us get on Sweeney a lot, but what was it Zito down in Florida, what he's doing, he's going for it all. He wants a one and done kind of thing. And he, there's no longevity there. You know, you have no first round draft picks. So 2025, you have a goaltender that's locked up for the next five or six years, still for 10 million. And you got Spencer Knight, who's going to be due for a contract. What at the end of this season or the following season, it might be the following year. Yeah. So you know, people want to bitch about Sweeney and I've done plenty of bitching about Sweeney at times, but he, I think he nailed it with the all Mark and Swayman duo. Uh, I think I'm glad he stuck to his guns on that instead of going with Vladar and Swayman. And obviously you saw it paid off last year. Granted, we didn't have, we were still a first round exit. We didn't have the season we wanted, but you saw when basically at the same time, Vladar was crashing 
in Calgary, Allmark was, you know, thriving over here. And yep. that's definitely encouraging. You love to see that. And, you know, no complaints here as far as the 1A, 1B. And I think a lot of, I hope, I know there's a lot of people who are big on Swayman just because he's so fan friendly and easy to pull for. But same with Allmark. I mean, you've obviously followed Bruins Twitter and Bruins Instagram. They were following around Allmark. And, you know, he's just, you could tell he's just a good dude. And yeah, absolutely. And, and to touch on Allmark, um, you know, many people don't know that the goalie market before he was signed was very thin. Uh, so, and, and believe it or not, he was the best um, free agent goaltender out there. So the Bruins did a good job on, um, you know, getting his, uh, getting a deal done and moving forward. No, I, I totally agree. Um, that's another, so we'll transition away from that. Cause I think we both really agree on that. Um, one topic we discussed earlier, uh, before we started recording were, excuse me, the realistic expectations for the upcoming season. Can this Bruins team at least make the playoffs in the, when was the last time as a Bruins fan, we were really sitting here saying that and i'm i know you've seen it these you know these tv analysis and they're just doing their job i get it they want the clickbait they want all that and a lot of us are giving in i gave in to one of them like mike rupp had the bruins fifth or sixth i believe and another guy had the bruins like sixth or seventh i believe i could be i could be wrong but he had teams like ottawa and the red wings above us and Granted, they they did make some good moves. Um, they made some great signings this offseason. They're certainly better than last season. But with what the Bruins are bringing back and a new coach and some more, a little bit of promise when I guess you can say with two solid centermen up the middle for you, I guess you could say three, maybe even four. I mean, you finally have a one a one B kind of situation. I would obviously make say that Bergeron's are one a by far, and you really don't know what you're going to get yet out of Krejci coming back. But with that core coming back, I just, I, I don't, unless, uh, unless Krejci really f- has fallen off. And that's a big question mark, I guess, going into the season because he played in a much lesser league last season back home. Granted, he dominated and all that, but I don't know. I where do you think the Bruins, assuming the others come back when expected, Krejci hasn't fallen off that much, and the lines kind of click. I mean, we have to remember Krejci finally has his wingers or winger that he's been looking for for years. Uh, do you think the Bruins make the playoffs? We'll start off there. Well, just to, to go on a little tangent a little bit, teams did get better in the in the Atlantic Division. There's no doubt about that. Montreal got better. Uh, Ottawa got better, significantly better. Um, and so did Detroit. Stevie Wise just got his his team all locked and loaded for, you know, a long process of getting back Detroit back into, like, the winning winning ways. Um, I... I I'm not saying that the Boston Bruins won't make the playoffs, but I, I kind of think that the way that they're going to be in the beginning of the year is going to probably put them into like wild card contention. 
Now, hopefully I'm definitely wrong. I would love to see them more in a third and fourth position in the, uh, in the Atlantic and possibly, you know, seven, eight in the, uh, in the conference. But that's my expectations right now. When I look at this roster on paper, because yeah, we brought back our, our heart and soul Patrice Bergeron. Yes. We brought back um, the best free agent forward in David Krejci. And when I say the best free agent, I mean, by dollar value, he was the best available because he understands the system. The systems has been in place for well over a decade. He knows that stuff, even though he's been gone for a year. Now it's time for David Krejci to adjust to that level again. And I think he's probably working really hard right now in Boston with some uh, some line mates, you know, maybe at um, one of the uh, college rinks in Boston or even at renting some ice at the Warrior. But. For me right now, I can't schedule them as like cup favorites like many do. Like we're going to we're going to win it. We're getting the band back together and this and that. I just don't see that that far with with what other teams in the league have done, particularly um, Florida, Calgary and so on. But, you know, I, I think that they'll make the playoffs. I'm not sure about how far they'll go. My my expectations of this year are that. But I think that the Bruins could possibly do some damage the year after. There's going to be contracts available. Like you, you're probably going to get rid of Nosek. Um, and there's going to be other departures that are going to come up. So there's going to be a little bit of cap space, not much, but roster spots for y- some younger players to really uh, grab a hold of, um, particularly Jack Sanika. If he, uh, if he can, you know, show a good showing this year, if he gets any games, um, you know, we'll, we'll see from there, but I think my bet is the year after 23, 24 is the year to look out for, for the Boston Bruins. Absolutely. And with the calf space potentially going up that season as well, but that same off season, the Bruins just have a buttload of cap space that they're looking at already. And I hate to say it, but Felino will finally be off the books as well. I mean, I really do like that guy, which sucks, but that contract's just terrible. Oh, it's, it 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 was, and then I get the whole locker room, the 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 you know the the leadership and so on that they wanted to get out of them. I totally understand that, but it's so hard to get rid of players like that when they're not working out particularly. And you know, um, they 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 had an option to buy them out, but some of the uh, cap would be retained. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Some of his salary would be retained in the next year. And with what's going on with the Bergeron and Krejci bonuses, that just didn't work out. And also you're going to be uh, waving uh, Chris Wagner to probably go down to Providence. So you're still paying him NHL money down in the AHL. So, and that's a capable number too, even though a small percentage of that uh, is, uh, is knocked off. Uh, it, you really don't want to put that buyout number of Nick Felino on next season's cap because it's just going to make it that much more harder when you're trying to really go for it, in my opinion. Yeah, I I 100% agree with that when it comes to the buyout and Felino and the bonuses carrying over to next year. Um, I, I will say, though, I, w- I was surprised that Sweeney came out and said there will be no buyouts in I kind of figured is Sweeney being Sweeney saying there's not going to be any buyouts. And then next thing you know, he buys out Felino. 
Um, yeah, it's just just like back in the day in 2015, they said we're not. And Sweeney came out and just said we're not trading Milan Lucic. And guess what happened? A month later, they traded him to LA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. And it was like same thing. He's like, we're not firing Cassidy, and then they fired Cassidy. Yeah. But I, I still don't think that was. Uh, I don't think that was Sweeney. But. Um, yeah, I think this team can make the playoffs. It all depends on the kind of start that they get. And like I said, they're kind of notorious for these cold starts. But I don't know. I, I think it's going to kind of be a rejuvenated locker room to start the season. They might be down and out because they're looking at it and they're missing their best winger with uh, Marshy missing the first half of the season. But you got a guy in a guy like Krejci coming back. I don't think he's just coming back to play in the NHL for one more season. I think he truly believes. And I think Bergeron truly believes that this team can do something. And you saw it at times last year that this team, when, I mean, you saw the third line, how they were clicking. You saw how all the lines were clicking when he finally broke up and I'm using air quotes here, the perfection line, you saw how all four lines were rolling and that gives me some hope going into this upcoming season because you got DeBrusque, who seems like he's getting his fresh start. Um, I don't know. And I think, uh, who was it? It might've been Jaffe and Razor talking about it, how it wasn't more so the coach is more so where he fits on this team with guys like Hall and Marshy signing on the left side. He doesn't necessarily want to be a third line winger totally understandable. Um, but moving him up with Bergie and Marshy, you saw in him moving to the right side, that worked great. I'm imagining he's going to start the season with Bergeron again, and you could see Zaka or Hall. I'd imagine you'll probably see Zaka up there on the first line, and you'll see a lot of moving pieces, I'm sure, to see what works. But the the top six, is it's still very solid. Even the top nine is still very solid. Um, it just, you have to rely on consistency with a lot of these guys like DeBrusque, but Krejci already has that check connect with, uh, his buddy pasta over there, but then he already has some games played with hall. So I'd imagine hall will, and I know, I know Montgomery came out and said, uh, what he's kind of picturing the lines as, and I actually did not read that, but I think I saw people playing around with it on Twitter. And I think he does have an idea of Hall, Krejci, and Pasta, which would make the most sense because Krejci's coming back and those two wingermen are instant connections, basically. And Bergeron, I mean, fuck, Bergeron could have you and me in his winger and he would fucking make it work somehow. That guy just always seems to get it done. Uh, So no matter what, who's on his line, he will contribute he'll produce and all that and i think when you have a guy like DeBrusque who's notorious for being inconsistent i think him playing with bergeron is best for him best for his career because bergeron's a guy who's not going to let you take nights off and just be on cruise control and sit in there fucking eating his popcorn while he while DeBrusque watches Bergeron and Marshy do their thing. He'll be contributing and he kind of has this fresh start with a new coach too, who could possibly rejuvenate him and um, maybe push him to be better. And you hear all these things that Montgomery's better with the coaches than Cassidy was, but 
we'll have to wait and see with that. Another thing too is that third line, that third line, I think will really tell us how, how they start the season will tell us how this first half of the season goes, because when they were clicking last year, that's when we couldn't be stopped. Uh, So and Smith, it's a contract year for him as well. Obviously he won't probably be back with us. Like it wouldn't really make sense in older Smith, but Coyle and Smith and Trent Frederick, who I think Trent Frederick is a contract year as well. Got two got two wingers who have something to prove who have contracts to sign and Coyle, who I'm not his biggest fan, but at times he did look pretty damn good with those two guys. So I think a lot of it's going to be how that third line starts the season because that third line kind of picked up one of the lines when they, you know, those top three lines were just picking each other up basically for that run we had last year. And it's going to be, in my opinion, very important for that third line to get the ball rolling right away before, you know, you can even look at the top two lines. I mean, so We'll see what that we'll see what Montgomery does with that. But yeah, I, I do see this Bruins team making the playoffs and probably as a wild card team realistically, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they grab that, you know, third or fourth spot because you've seen them surprise us in the past. You have the veterans right there that can kind of lead you and you have a full season of Lindholm on the back end and you got a full season of Allmark and Swayman again. So there could be a lot of surprises, a lot of pleasant surprises. There could be also a lot of unpleasant surprises. So that's what kind of has me eager and excited for this upcoming season, because it's a, it's a season with Krejci coming back a, uh, a blue line that has some question marks, but you have three, in my opinion, three very solid lines and not that I expect a lot out of Felino down on that fourth line, but you know, he's probably a guy like him. He's probably kicking himself after last season and he's probably coming back like the guy he is and wants to prove to these Bruins fans that he's worthy of that contract because I'm sure he hears the noise 100%. Oh yeah. And that's a guy who's just relentless and he's not just going to sign a $3.8 million contract and coast into retirement. I just don't see that. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully Felino steps it up uh, big time this year, not only on the leadership side, but, you know, get, get 15, 10 or 15 goals out of him. It would be would be awesome. So, I mean, it remains to be seen. Uh, but if, if you're talking about him right now, I have him more as less that like 13th, 14th forward. Just being a rotation guy for, you know, there's a couple uh, back-to-back games. He'll be on the uh, the latter half of that of those, but. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. And you got young guys you need to plug into the lineup as well. And, you know, I, I know that's a big thing with management and one of the reasons why they brought Montgomery in. So we'll see. We'll see if we'll see if uh, Stanika can finally grab that spot and uh, other young guns like him. I don't expect guys like Beecher to make the team. Maybe they'll get some call-ups at some point this year, but – I imagine a guy like Beecher will spend, you know, majority, if not all the season down in Providence and guys like that. I know people are pulling for Oscar Steen who showed flashes last year as well, but it's going to be on those guys to grab that spot and stay with the big club, but that's on them. Um, 
the Steen we'll thing's see. really interesting, Nick, uh, because he was signed to a one-way, uh, one-year extension. So he has to make the team or he's exposed to waivers after. Now, Stadnika, on the other hand, his deal is two-way the first year, one-way the second year. Yeah, I remember I remember Stanika's. I did not realize that about Steen. So that's yeah, yeah, that's definitely interesting. Um so I don't know, it kind of has management's uh hands tied there, but it's gonna uh, he's I could because if he doesn't make the big club, you he'll definitely get claimed off waivers real quick at a I believe so. So yeah, we'll we'll have to wait and see. It's definitely gonna make for an interesting training camp and some preseason games. Uh, which I can't wait for, by the way. Uh, just so you know, let me, football. Let me, let me tease you up a little bit, my friend. First preseason game is in 22 days, 22 zero hours. Fucking days. Holy and shit. we already took our ask away from the first Bruins game. Yes, sir. I saw that. Uh, Sully over there, he's been teasing us every day with that. 39s tomorrow. I wonder who the hell he's going to go with there. Travis Green. Travis Green? Yeah, he was a well, he was a Bruin for a short time. Was he really? No shit. Yeah, yeah he was. You know what's also another name that we kind of forgot about? I'm old. About? I know these things. I <laughs> um, Be nicer on yourself. I know. <laughs> you look 21. But, Thanks. <laughs> um, God, who's the AJ Greer, is that his name? Did I say that correctly? Yeah, I'm you did. I'm wondering if he's a guy who could um, possibly make the big club. Uh, he's he's a tough bastard, and people are complaining about Bruins not have. I mean, you saw the whole Lucic thing, you know, know. <laughs> the madness. Yeah, the yeah. madness. I I don't, the AJ the AJ Greer contract to me is is another baffling one because it's a one way deal. Yeah, you know, he, he's going to be with the Bruins and he's going to ex- expect to make the lineup. I, I, I obviously do not expect him to stay uh, much past training camp to make that lineup. And he'll um, if he needs to go to Providence, he'll be waived where another team can pick him up. Or, or he if um, the, the beginning of the season, when the waiver process happens, a lot of the higher talent gets picked while players of the past like. um I don't even remember who I'm talking about, but I think that uh, Greer could probably pass through and, and head to Providence without getting claimed. But who knows? There might be a team out there that needs that size and grit and that type of game that Greer plays. But, uh, you know, that's another one that remains to be seen. And and he just needs to all these players are going to be pushing hard in, in training camp. So it's going to be interesting on how how Jim Montgomery structures his uh, his lineup and orchestrates um, uh, all four lines in the upcoming year. Yeah, I mean, if we're staying with the trend, then the Kraken would probably pick up one of those two players because they love picking up our guys. So, well, when you when you have a former Providence Bruins coach as your uh, assistant out there, yeah, you got a lot, a <laughs> lot of intel, a lot of intel yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad guys like Coolman and them landed on their feet over there. I was glad to see Coolman gone, and I, I was also glad to see him land on his feet with Seattle. But that'll transition us into this next topic. Like you said earlier in the in this episode, the Bruins are 2.2 million over in the cap space. So, Mark, I'll ask you, do you see, do you have any guys in mind who could be moved before 
the regular season starts. Is there anyone that kind of comes to your mind where it's like, okay, I can see, I can see this, this guy being on the move, or do you see the Bruins? I know you mentioned it earlier in this episode, or do you see the Bruins uh, waiting till some guys are back and the Bruins using LTIR with maybe a guy like Marshy and uh, holding on to some people till then. But the thing is you wait till then, then the Bruins are hands are tied and teams know that the Bruins are desperate to unload this guy off. So that's, that's another risky move that the Bruins have. And before I kind of rattle on here, who's, who's a guy that you could see uh, being moved before October. If you're looking at like um, websites like Puckpedia and Cap Friendly, uh, like Craig Smith is the only one to me right now. He makes $3.1 million with 2.2 over. We need to be cap compliant by uh, the, the start in October. I could see a player like Craig Smith being moved. Um, he doesn't have any trade protection. The team doesn't have to come up to him and say, hey, you know, it sucks to say, but can you wave so we can make this? It doesn't happen. You can move him easily. He's got one more year. Uh, if you can move him, I do not want to get somebody back. When you need to re- uh, shed cap space, you really shouldn't be taking players on again because now you're yeah. going to have to readjust again and get yourself back into the same hole you are right now, uh, whether it be $2 million or $1 million and so on. Um I mean, can you package Craig Smith and Connor Clifton? There's this four million right there. That'd be a nice little chunk, and and you you free up a, a roster spot or uh, that uh, seven eighth type of defenseman in Connor Clifton and and move him, or you you, you keep Connor Clifton and you move Craig Smith for like a, a mid round draft pick. Just just to it's just a cap dump, you know. That's what yeah. I can see happening. I like Craig Smith a lot, but I really see him him declining a little bit. I know he was uh, hindered by a little bit of an injury bug last year, which could have increased that declination. Bad word to use. Uh, sorry, <laughs> but um, I, I just, yeah, I think that's the guy for me that I would want to see move just, just for the cap dump. And, and you free up that roster spot where you can possibly have Jack Sidnika, uh play more, permanent role on the right side next to Charlie Coyle and in a healthy lineup, you probably have Pavel Zaka on the left side. So that would be a nice little uh, puck possession line. You got two, two uh, big uh, veterans in Zaka and Coyle while you, uh, you have uh, Jackson Nika on the right side, who I, who I know is a traditionally a center, but it's, it's easy for a center to go to the wing than a wing going to center. Now, let me ask you this, and it might be a little bit of a stretch because I would hate to see a guy like Craig Smith go, but it does make the most sense. It it really does. Uh, And I know he was he had a little bit of an injury bug last year, but what was concerning to me with Craig Smith was at the end of last season, he said he had no injuries. He, He was fine. You know, a few nicks here and there, which which was concerning because he wasn't producing. And I love the guy because when even when he's not on the puck, he's getting to the puck. Yep, shooting uh, it hard. Yep. Yeah, he's 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 aggressive on the forecheck. I love his style of game. But another name that when we traded for Zaka, I really thought that there was a good chance that you were going to see Coil moved shortly after, because financially it makes sense. I mean, 
you get the was he 5.5 or 5.25 five even five even five five so that's five million bucks you get off get off the books and you he has some trade value and zaka can plug in as that third line centerman the problem is then you're kind of thin on the left side but he just coil hasn't been producing he it's kind of the story of his whole career he shows flashes of his offensive dominance and obviously we know how he is when he has the puck it's near dare impossible fucking to get the puck off him uh but he doesn't necessarily produce like like he should or i know it's been the story of his career and when you know marcus johansson came here and him and those two connected and they looked fucking phenomenal and we were kind of hoping for something like that when Craig Smith came along or Trent Frederick was on his left side or whatever. And when Marshy comes back fully healthy, um, you could look at Zaka, Coyle, and Smith. But I just – and that would be a sexy third line to look at. But well, how about I, this? Uh, how about this scenario? Thinking about next year, you, you got Zaka locked down for one year, okay? I'm not sure. I don't have Puckpedia or Cap Friendly in front of me, but if Coyle's on the last of his years, if Zaka really has a good year, which is a contract year, of course, and obviously that that is going to like raise his value, does that now make a player like Charlie Coyle expendable? Yeah. You know? So you move him, you move Zaka to the third line center, like you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. and then you have the availability. Like you said, you don't know who can fill that left side. I know a guy. His name is Georgie Merkulov down in Providence. Oh, and he, he can play center and he can play the left side, too. So there's 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 a, a little bit of a dark horse right there that can come in and and fill that role, um, assumingly after next season. Um, yeah. and, and, and if Zaka actually does play well and and can transition back to the center, which I, I think he can. I, I know yeah. he plays the left and the right, so it's really not hard for him. He's a professional. Um but yeah, I mean, there's there's several options too there too, and you can also save uh, five million dollars on uh, on the on the uh, Charlie Coyle contract. No, I, absolutely, and that's that's really what I thought it was going to come down to uh, when that sign that when that trade and signing was basically made because financially, it's just like you're over the cap, you got to figure it out. It's and you know before you know it you know, the regular season will be here. Teams know, teams know that obviously Sweeney has to do something, figure it out, possibly make a move um, at some point, regardless if it's before puck drop or December before these guys come back or whatnot. So, you know, other GMs know that they're well aware that Sweeney has to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, His job's so, on the line too. <laughs> what's that? His job could be on the line too. Oh, geez, I know. And he even just signed a extension, but I don't know. It's we'll we'll see. I if we're gonna talk about someone's job being on the line, I would take I would say Naley over Sweeney, if anything. Yeah, I'm in agreement with that, and I know we've been agreeing a lot. We gotta stop doing that in the next part. We gotta get we gotta <laughs> attack each other. Yeah, be like no, no, Nick, you're wrong. Be like on Twitter, <laughs> you're wrong. Um, yeah, I, I just 
ultimately, I actually think that Sweeney comes out with some creative ideas and so does his uh, scouting staff. But I just think uh, that the top of the line and his decision making and um, basically cock blocking a lot of uh, the good stuff that is being provided to him because he's so old school and so on. I really just want to see the hockey operations given fully to Sweeney and uh, Neely just take on the full business. That's why you're the president uh, of hockey operations. I mean, uh, sorry. Uh, you know, that's why you're the president of the organization. I think you should stay that way and stay on the business side and let everybody else uh, do the hockey operations on their own. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. I think Sweeney is just, I Neely is in Sweeney's air just a little too much. And, I don't know. It's a little frustrating and you could definitely, I think in my opinion, you could definitely see it with the uh, Cassidy firing, but you know, that's I'm, I'm happy with his hiring. It's, it's always exciting when you get a new head coach and see what they can do. I mean, I knew nothing about Cassidy till he became the next Bruins head coach. I knew he was uh, down in Providence, but I knew nothing about him. He came up, he did a great job. So it's always exciting. It's a little bit nerve wracking, but it's always exciting with the new coach. And, uh, once I got over that anger, I was like, all right, whatever. But it, <laughs> you know, it's, everyone was going for Sweeney's head when, if you take a, you know, second to calm down, I think you can see the bigger picture than that. Uh, where it's more than just Sweeney because Sweeney went to his house. I think him and Sweeney were like he friends. He did too. He went to his house. He said, you know, he called him up and said, Hey, can I stop by? And I think that's when um, Cassidy told his wife, he's like, I'm probably going to get fired today. Yeah. They, they, he welcomed him in his house. Uh, probably had a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. And, and minutes later it was, we're just letting you go. And I, thought that that could have been done a little bit differently uh yeah you, ha you you have an office at the uh warrior ice arena and just have um have uh cassidy drive there and do it like regular people do when you get I, fired man. part of me part of me also thinks it was like sweeney really respected cassidy though and yeah. he didn't want to make him drive in and just well, to well, fire nick, him. What, nick what does that tell you about what's coming from above you know what i mean yeah it's almost like the message was like, dude, I don't want to do this. I really don't want to do this, but I can't, I'm forcing my hand here. And I think that that was a, you know, that was a Neely decision. That was, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not mad that Bruce Cassidy got fired. I, I think Bruce Cassidy is a great coach. I think he did a great job here in Boston, but with all coaches in the NHL, there's a shelf life. There's yep. a time, there's a time when the message gets stale. There's a time to move on. And I think that this particular time when 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 this Boston Bruins organization needs to see more of its youth come up through the system, much like a lot of the players that were selected in 2015. And I know Bruins fans absolutely trashed that draft, but take your blinders off people. There were six more rounds after round one. And I think they did a pretty decent job on on, on some of those players, including Brandon Carlo, Dan Vladar. Jeremy Lazon and so yeah. on, you know, Oscar Steen, I believe. Well, he was 2016. Yeah. So I, I it's just one of those things that, um, you know, you just got, you got to implement the youth a little more often than they have. Mm -hmm. And you have to have more trust. Don't bring in the guy that you say, Hey, you've done a great job down in Providence. We're going to give you a game and to say, thank you. But 
why not give a little bit of consistency to see what that player can actually do? Work the nerves out from that first game and stay like a whole week or a whole month and then evaluate his NHL talent. And if it's not working out, then you send them back down. It, it, yeah. I mean, it's just plain and simple. I mean, Claude Julian did the same thing. And, and Cassie did the same thing. They just they bring players up. They don't like what they see because they're not giving them enough time. And then they're down again. And then that's why players voice back like and uh, Kolklachov and Spooner. And um, obviously, uh, oh, I can't remember his name. He went to Colorado. He said something about uh, his playing time. And, uh, you know, it's just you, you got to stop playing these younger players, man. You just have to have more trust. I get the whole veteran leadership and so on, but. You can't win the Stanley Cup these days on veterans. The, the, the league no. is all the league is all mixed with different types of players and, and they're winning. They're winning with people with grit. They're winning with good defense and good offense. So I think the Bruins yeah. need to jump on board on that, too. I mean, look what Colorado did. I mean, they got guys like Newhook and I know McCarr's a different kind of skill, but he's still a young gun. He can, he's still freshly new in the league. And you got guys like Newhook, McCarr, and so on. Like you got these, they have these young guys that they're plugging in, giving the chance, and you know it's working out great for them. I granted, I don't think we have uh, Alex Newhook or Kale McCarr. Charlie McAvoy is obviously pretty damn close to that, but Kale McCarr is just on a different in a different universe. But like guys like Newhook, like young guys, they have like that. We don't necessarily have that, but you you really don't know what you have till you start plugging them in and giving them a chance. I mean, the leash was so short. Breaking news, my friend. Uh, and it's not Bruins related, but you know how so many Bruins fans wanted freaking uh, JT Miller? Oh. Uh, yeah, JT Miller yeah. signs a seven-year contract worth $56 million. Yep. There goes that. <laughs> That's actually, he's, oh man, he would have been a good guy to have. But again, what are you going to trade for him? I, <laughs> we yeah, well, if you, the, if you get JT Miller, you're not bringing Krejci back. <laughs> no, you're not bringing Krejci back. You're probably not looking at a first round pick for the next few years. Exactly. And, you know, and this is the team that desperately needs to hold on to their first round picks. Absolutely. But, you know, we'll, we'll obviously get into that at some point during the season, seeing where the Bruins stand and all that. But before we wrap it up, I do want to talk about, cause you brought it up. Um, that's always kind of fun for Bruins fans. And uh, I know there's a, a certain prospect that the Bruins are, you know, getting themselves off to and some other, you know, prospects in the pool, but the prospect challenge is coming up. You have your, uh, new podcast started in about two weeks talking about the young guns down in, uh, and some of these guys you're going to see down in Providence who are three guys. Cause I'm, I'm just going to you for this. Cause I don't know anyone. I don't know much about these guys, but who are three guys that you're going to keep an eye on during this prospect challenge? Um, uh, definitely uh, 2020 uh, one. Uh, first round picks, baby, and Lysel. I think that um, he had a really, really good World Juniors tournament in a, um, in an awkward time of the year. Uh, they had that tournament in August uh, because of the uh, the COVID shutdown um, up in Edmonton in uh, January. So I thought he played well. He scored a couple really nice highlight goals that 
that got all the Bruins fans uh, panties nice and wet. And they all <laughs> they all after they see him, they all wanted him scheduled into the lineup to start this season. But I, I still I still want to pump the brakes on Lysol. I think he's a fantastic prospect. But I also think that's it's one that he needs to um, uh, develop properly. The kid's only been in North America for a little over a year. He had a great uh, Western Hockey League uh, first season rookie year with the Vancouver Giants. Um, but I still think there's, he's, he's a little bit raw. He's really good on the puck. I want to see him get better away from the puck. Um, and I think that he'll learn a lot that, uh, more of that as he gets more training involved with the Boston Bruins, particularly starting in this uh, prospect challenge. And uh, he will be at camp. He will be at rookie camp and, and, um, and, Finally. and, and yeah. And NHL Bruins training camp. So, um, you know, he'll, he'll have his, uh, his, his opportunity to show the Bruins brass if he can stick or not. But I really want to see him a, a full season in Providence and then go from there. Because I think that like we, we've, we've said before, Craig Smith is on his last deal. If they can't trade him to, to shed some cap space. Um, I honestly think that, his roster spot should be Fabian Lysel's after one full season in Providence and then let Lysel work his way up the lineup mm-hmm. from there, not just schedule him right into the right wing on the first, on the first line and then go let, let him work. Um, you know, put the carrot in front of the horse and he, he's going to want to, he's going to want to eat it. So uh, I think Lysel would do good in, in a challenge like that. Nothing's given yeah. in this league. You have to earn yeah. everything. And that's a guy who you can see just from the world juniors and just from his press conferences, that's a guy who desperately needs to add muscle and size. Um, skills only going to get you so far, but if you don't add that muscle and size, then it's, you're not going to last too long in the NHL when you're playing with big boys. Uh, what could be intriguing is him playing a full season down in the AHL and them only playing weekends that gives, or mostly weekends. Um, that gives him a good chunk of time to add muscle, to be in the gym, to work on his craft, because I know he's no Steven Stamkos, but what they did with Stamkos when he first came into the league, he'd play one or two nights in a row. He'd take a night off and he'd be in the gym and he would be adding that size. And that's a guy like him who has a great shot, who is a tremendous skater. So work on your craft, get bigger, get badder you know, get thicker and just, you know, benefit and benefit from a full season in the Bruins organization with Providence and take that next step. Because right now I don't think there's necessarily a spot for him. And like you said, to take Smith's spot next year with that, you know, rookie level contract that that's going to benefit the Bruins huge. And that's going to be a good spot for him to kind of settle into NHL role. And, you know, like you said, uh, another year in North America, that's, it's going to benefit him. And um, what's the rush. I mean, you rush him, then you could possibly damage this kid for good and you could damage his confidence and whatnot. So that's definitely, that's definitely, you know, I would say the best choice. And I kind of been on your side with that the whole time. I think you've said it numerous times. Why burn a year on his entry level contract? Yeah, you know? that, that's another it, thing too. You just you just bring in the player closer to negotiations in, in two years instead of three. The other player I'm really intrigued about this prospect challenge is John Beecher. 
I thought that yeah. he was outstanding in the um, in the development camp, and I know that that is just a, a skill thing and so on for the, for the uh, four days of uh, the, that training. But his short ice games and his uh, scrimmages on Friday of that development camp, I thought were outstanding, and I thought by far he was one of the better players out there. So I think that he's going to have a good prospects challenge, and I think that he's going to have a really good year, a big year in Providence. Uh, under Ryan Mujanel's uh, tutelage. So, and uh, my third, my third, just to wrap up this, um, the prospect challenge guy is um, I'm a goaltender. So I'm always going to navigate to the crease. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to seeing um, uh, 2022 six round pick Reed Dick. And he's a goaltender from uh, Swift Current Broncos. And we had him on the Black and Go Hockey podcast with uh, co-host Dom Ciano and Kevin O'Keefe. And uh, what a nice guy. I mean, really nice kid, well-spoken, works hard. Um, his numbers in Swift Current were not good the past two seasons. Uh, basically a backup. But um, I, I think his name is Isaac something, or, or his last name is Isaac. But he's moving on. He signed a deal with, um, oh, God, I don't remember who. Uh, but uh, Reed Dick is going to be the number one goaltender in Swift Current. So it's going to be a big year for him. So to, to have him uh, come to the prospect challenge and, and, and play well uh, to really just boost his confidence for the upcoming WHL season uh, is going to be good for him and, and the organization as well. And, uh, you know, hopefully Beecher just uh, it just really does well. I, I think that Johnny could play. He, he's traditionally a center, but uh, when he was uh, playing uh, with the, um, the Michigan Wolverines, he played the left side too. So there might be an option yeah. there on the left wing if needed uh, at the NHL next season, if they want to give him some looks. Yeah. No, about Beecher too. Like you could really see from the clips that you and other BG BNG members were sharing, like you could really see his speed being a huge factor. And that's definitely exciting to see with a guy like Beecher and more development and him figuring out how to, benefit from his speed more and work off of that because speed kills. I mean, you see it in the NHL all the time you got guys like Barzell and, you know, Connor McDavid fucking buzzing right by these (laughs) defensemen that can't even turn around. So a guy like that, that's definitely nice to see because the Bruins, I mean, they're going to need speed at some point. They didn't get younger this year. uh, And I mean, you couldn't make the case that they, basically got a little bit older this year, but I'd still think they're a better one, fully healthy, a better team net this upcoming season than than this previous season. But a guy like Beecher, you could really, and the, even Lysel in the future, like you could really benefit from their speed and skill uh, in the near future. And uh, yeah. hopefully they hone in on their skill down in Providence. And obviously don't forget, we'll, don't forget Mikulov too, by the way. Yeah. He's going to be at the Prospects Challenge as well, and I think he's going to be uh, do really well there. That, that'll be a fun guy to keep an eye on, too, because he was really producing down there towards the end of the season when he came on, right? Yeah, and, he got injured, too. Yeah. There was and, a lot of injuries. Providence had a lot of injuries, and that's uh, towards the end of the year, and that particularly on the defense, and that's why Providence was one and done. I, I don't like the way the, the American Hockey League did their playoffs last year. The first round was a best of three. The second round was a best of five. And the last two rounds were best of seven. It was just really dumb. Oh, so, yeah, that's weird. It, yeah, they couldn't. They, the Providence Bruins really couldn't get out of their own uh, heads when it comes to playing um, a team. I don't even remember who they played. 
But anyway, um, you know, it just it, it's a riddled freaking lineup and so on. Uh, but I, I expect the, the lineup to be so much better. I'm actually writing an article uh, this weekend about my expectations of what I could what I believe the uh, Providence Bruins lineup could be for the 22, 23 season. So check it out at blackandgoldhockey.com If you if you have a moment, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, that'll be a fun article to read for Bruins fans to catch up on, too, especially ones like myself who don't know too much about some of these prospects and. You know, obviously, you know, some of the big names, I guess, down in Providence, but not all of them. And a guy like you just mentioned, who I can't even pronounce his last name. I remember reading up on him uh, by articles you wrote and other BNG members wrote that, you know, this the skill is there is. But the big question mark is the two way game. And, you know, defensively, he's not just there. And obviously a year, in, another year in Providence, a full year in Providence, possibly, or some call-ups, he could really benefit from that and hone in on that and really transition his game into a two-way, 200-foot game versus just, you know, a 100-foot game down and, you know, the other team's end. So that'll definitely be a fun guy to keep your eye on for sure, because, I saw, I remember seeing a lot of his highlights on Twitter that people were sharing, like the skills there, the shots there. It's if he can put the full complete game together. So that's what I'm excited about your podcast uh, coming out into the new podcast, the uh, Providence Bruin. What it's called the Providence hockey report, Providence hockey report. Yeah. It's I I did three episodes last year, but uh, running a small sports media company is, is very hard. Um, but we hired uh, some more uh, editors. We're bringing on some more people to help uh, kind of relieve my duties. I want to get back into writing more and I want to get back into podcasting more about Providence because I'm a credential writer down there. So I thought that uh, increasing my content is important for, for our small sports media company. So um, yeah, ch- check it out. Uh, it's going to be every week. I'll talk about uh, the, the, the games of the of the week, which predominantly on Friday, Saturdays and Sundays, I will be going down to Providence to cover games and getting interviews with uh, the coaching and players and, and so on. So I'll have all that stuff, uh, that video and audio on the podcast of player interviews and so on. And just talk about, uh, you know, how these players are doing and to give Boston Bruins fans a better idea of what's next in the future when these uh, kids uh, actually cross the threshold in the NHL jobs. Yeah, that's big things this upcoming season for BNG too, as far as that you getting more into back, more back into the podcast waves. I mean, you obviously, you know, you have black and gold podcast, but obviously doing the Providence report and getting back into the writing. I think that's going to be huge because obviously, I mean, you're the reason why people start following BNG and all that, because you're the creator, you're the heart and soul of it basically. And um yeah so that's definitely going to be exciting for this upcoming season and possibly more new Bruins podcasts coming on the uh platform on the network as well and you being my unofficial official co-host of only Bruins <laughs> no by I'll the way by the way you're, having, what's that yeah, I said, by the way, you're a sick son of a bitch for fucking doing the uh, only Bruins. And I know where your mind, <laughs> hey, I know where your mind was going. <laughs> See, guys, guys like you knew where I was going with that. So Absolutely. That's, uh, I, I had to, uh, I had to ride with the ongoing joke but, with me and OnlyFans. 
But if I can recommend somebody on on uh, OnlyFans, it's the Allie Ray. She's a huge Bruins fan. She's hot too. Shit, we, me and her definitely have to collab. Then I gotta get. Maybe she'll be the new co-host. <laughs> She's a former New England girl that lives down in Florida, and boy, does that tan look good. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. She'll she'll have much appreciation for my name then. So that'll be good. Oh boy, she'll 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 see only Bruins and put one and two together. But <laughs> no, but I'll definitely be looking forward to having you and other BNG members on this podcast this upcoming season it's going to be a fun ride i can't wait uh you yeah it's know, good to like have you back man it's good to have you back on the pod waves and back yeah. on bng podcast network you're a good friend of mine and always a good dude and we've <coughs> we uh, hung out over the summer sorry about the cough man uh, <laughs> uh hung out over the summer during development camp had a nice steak dinner at the stockyard i can't wait to do that again oh yeah that place was delicious i guess yes, i haven't was. gone back since I'm glad I finally went to it, but that place was delicious. Uh, definitely didn't disappoint, but yeah, it was good catching up with you, getting bears and all that. And um, hopefully we can connect more in person this upcoming season with uh, maybe even more games or now, yeah, that man. I, now that I am even a little bit closer to you too, possibly making the ride up, doing some yeah, dude. stuff. Come up on the deck right here. We'll do a podcast. Yeah. Doing yeah, this right yeah. now. I can't go outside because my neighbors will probably report me or something but <laughs> <laughs> with the kind of mouth I have. But yeah, no, it will. Um, we'll definitely have to collab more this upcoming season, regardless if it's in person at Bruins games or whatever. We'll try to, you know, connect more and have some fun because I'm excited to be back. I'm thankful that I'm back and I'm thankful for the time off that I took that was necessary and needed. And I feel rejuvenated. I'm ready to go. I'm excited to kind of be on my own schedule. I'm excited to see who my potential next co-host could be and stuff like that. So I appreciate everything you've done for me by bringing me back, plugging, plugging this podcast and everything and even hopping on. I mean, you, you, you've always been kind. You've always just like, Hey, say the word. I'll always hop on whenever, you yep. know, and that's what I friends do my man. Yeah. And you'll never pass up a good opportunity to talk hockey and bro. No, I'm so, always yeah. about it. I'm, some people might not like it, but I'm always about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, with that, we'll wrap it up. I think we've gone on long enough. That was definitely easier having you along for the ride versus me trying to spit bullshit out of my mouth and trying to put a sentence together. <laughs> But it's good uh, having some drinks and talking with you, buddy. Uh, do you have anything you want to say or plug? Uh, yeah, um, you can follow, uh, follow me at Black and Gold. You can follow me at Black and Gold 277. You can follow the podcast at Black and Gold Pod. And uh, you can uh, see all our writings at blackandgoldhockey.com. And uh, make sure you check out that new podcast that I'm coming out with under two weeks. It's called the Providence Hockey Report. And it's all about uh, the transactions and the games and what players and coaches are saying down in the A. So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to the challenge. Yes, sir. Love to hear that. Uh, definitely looking forward to all that. And it's always great reading the articles. It's always funny seeing people's reactions online when you share the article and they just read the, the like title of the it. Title. Yeah. They start freaking out. It's like actually read it and then take yeah. a deep breath. Exactly. No, nah, man, like the I Boston- said, the Bruins, organ, uh, the Bruins fans are just reactional. They fire from the hit up all oh. the time. Yeah. You, you love it, but you hate it at the same time. <laughs> exactly. But um, 
Now, like I said, thanks for everything. Thanks for hopping on and, uh, you know, talking hockey with me. And I'm looking forward to having you on again in the past. I'm looking forward to listening to your podcast and reading your stuff in the near future. And uh, I appreciate everything you've done for me. But ladies and gentlemen, that'll wrap it up for another great episode of Only Bruins. I appreciate you guys coming back. I'd appreciate it if you could follow me on Twitter at I believe it's only Bruins one I always forget the number that I have in there Uh, let me check yes at only Bruins one follow me there to get up to date uh, tweets on the show when I'll be releasing because I won't have a specific date I'll be dropping on because I'm on my own time now so you could possibly even get two episodes in a week so make sure you follow me on Twitter at that at only Bruins one and stay up to date with the show um and maybe i'll have more content out there on instagram and whatnot going forward but for now check me out on there interact with me um follow me and subscribe and like everything that you wherever you listen to your podcast you can find me uh please i'd appreciate five stars i appreciate a review and all that good stuff uh, but make sure you hit that follow and subscribe so you can stay up to date with the show. But until next time, folks, me and Marky Mark, we love you all. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, stay cool. Have a great long weekend, Labor Day weekend, baby. Till next time. Peace. I can lick it, I can ride it while you slip it and slide it. I can do all them little tricks and keep the dick up inside it. You can smack it, you can grip it, you can go down and kiss it. And every time he leave me alone, he always tell me he miss it. He wanna eat.